Hello and welcome back to Love and Grit. I'm Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. And today we are talking to a couple of folks you may recognize from your TV screens. However, it's the skills that brought them there that truly make them great. Retired Philly independent soccer player Lori Lindsay can be seen giving her spin on the game on all your favorite sports networks. We're going to catch up with her. Also, everybody knows Chef Karan Horn's dope smoothie and juice spot strip juice. And now the super chef and restaurateur is taking his skills to the screen and some other things. So we will catch up with him as well. But first, a game of Philly faves. And Justin, what is our category today? What is your favorite scary place to go in Philadelphia? You guys know good and well, I don't do scary. I don't do scary. I don't do spooky. But I will say Peddler's Village. I like Peddler's Village because they have like a hundred scarecrows on display and it's a competition where locals and a few of the boutique owners, they'll have funny scarecrows or a little bit scary, I suppose, but it's a great display. And, you know, I like shopping and dining. Okay. So one of my favorite things to do is one of the oldest things to do in Philly, especially if you're, I was going to say grown, but I think kids can participate too. It just happens at nighttime. The Eastern State Penitentiary, Halloween, say it again, Justin, I always mess it up. Halloween nights at Eastern State Penitentiary. Yes. And so what I know about this is I was going for years, but now it's been kind of remixed with some good treats and whatnot because you went right last year, Justin. Yeah, it was great. They have a beer garden down North Pizza was there. They have lots of stuff popping up this year. It's kind of fun and spooky to walk through. Oh, yeah. I'm glad they have the treats now. I was back in the food truck days. Okay, I'm sorry. What you got, Justin? What scares you? Okay, so mine is new this year. It's called Lincoln Mill Haunted House and Magic. I've been to a haunted house there many, many, many years ago when I lived in Roxborough. And it was the most scared I ever was because I was chased with someone with a chainsaw and I ran for my life. So... Oh, no. See, see, I mean, I loved it. I do. I like that kind of stuff. I don't know what they're doing there now, but it's a cool property. I'm sure it's going to be great. And I'm excited they're firing up this old space, which is on Henry Avenue near Walnut Lane Golf Course. You sound excited, but I think even Boo at the Zoo is better for me. And I'll take that. Real scary. That sounds real scary. <laughs> There's always, you know, you can take a little ride and take your butt to Six Flags too, because I love a good scary night at Six Flags. Yeah, they're the ultimate. Oh my scary. God, yeah. that would be fun, even though roller coasters scare me too. Oh my. That's the whole point. If you guys ho- let me hold your hand and sit next to me. No. Uh, well, we'll see when we, when we get right. closer. Man, forget you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> you can take Ryan. He'll have fun with you. He, he wild. Go ahead. And he's tall enough. Why don't we start the show before there's a fight? Lori Lindsay has worked hard for the game of soccer, no question. Now retired after 13 years in the sport, check out the receipts. Out the gate, Lori was a two-time All-American at the University of Virginia and went on to play for the Washington Freedom, the Western New York Flash, the Washington Spirit, and of course, the Philadelphia Independence. She was named ACC Player of the Year twice. Yep, and represented the United States Women's National Team at the 2011 Women's World Cup in Germany and helped the team earn the Olympic gold medal in 2012. And while she still calls Philly her home, you can now catch her bringing incisive, revolutionary commentary and analysis for ESPN, CBS, and Fox Sports, all while continuing her activism using her voice to encourage inclusion of the LBGTQ plus in the world of sports. When you look back now, at what point 
did you become an athletic activist? What made you an activist? Well, my mom growing up, so I grew up in Indiana and my parents got divorced when I was two, primarily because my mom was like, I'm gay and I need to be out of this relationship. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah. not at the time, but I'm sure. Yeah, shout, out, shout out to Carol Lindsay and she's been <laughs> married to her wife or my stepmom, Susan, for 30 plus years. But like that's in the early 80s, right? And so no one was coming out and no one was certainly not celebrating being gay. So early on, I really saw somebody, my mom was incredibly important to me, really living their truth in like a time and in a place that wasn't supportive. So I think for her to come out and like risk that, because we ended up living with my dad, because no courts were going to give my mom custody if she was being out. So we lived with my dad and stepmom. And then I saw my mom every other weekend, really like seeing that and feeling that and living that was massive at a young age for me. And then when I went on to play at the University of Virginia is where I really started coming out. And I knew all along, like I knew from fifth grade, right? When Miss Siegel became Miss Redmond and I was heartbroken and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It wasn't until 2012, to be a bit more specific, it really wasn't until 2012 till I came out. And that was right around the Olympics. And one of my really good friends, Megan Rapino, and her activism, and it was on the after the Olympics and the 2011 World Cup and the 2012 Olympics. Prior to that, like our women's national team, was extremely popular, but it would come in like ebbs and flows, just like every four years when the World Cup or Olympics came around. And 2011, 2012, we lost in the final to Japan in the 2011 World Cup, but that really popularized the team in like a more solidified way. And I don't Mm. think we've ever looked back. So it was actually after the 2011 World Cup between the 2012 Olympics, Out Magazine had approached Megan about coming out and doing a spread. And they did it on a number of different Olympic athletes headed into the London Olympic Games. And we were on our way back and she was like, what do you think? I'm like, hell yeah, do that spread, right? This is awesome. Like her and I had been out for several years in our personal lives, but she was a big name player, right? And I'm like, do it. And then after the 2012 Olympics, a publication had asked me and reached out about me coming out. And I I say all that because up until then, Megan, Abby Wambach, those were like the bigger name players. Those were the ones that kind of you felt like had the platform. But that was actually the really first time that an organization, Athlete Ally, had come into my life. They were starting to come about. It's an organization that's filled with Olympic and professional athletes in an opposition to racism, sexism, homophobia, and transphobia, right? And so they were the really the first organization that allowed me to utilize my platform. And I think it was always in me. I just didn't really know how to use that voice. Like, how do you manufacture a platform, right? In a time that was like social media was really just starting to get a hold. And our team, again, was just becoming even more consistently popular. So once I got that platform, I was like, hell yeah, I want to be using my voice. I wanted soccer to be more of the means than the end, right? Because I put so much focus on the actual sport itself. It seems like of late you've been using your voice more specifically talking about trans inclusion in sports. I'm so curious about activists who are thinking towards this way about how you picture the future of sports in this way. Because I was saying to Rachel and Justin earlier, I was like, I feel like we're getting to a point where sports is just going to be sports. It's not going to be male sports, female sports. And how does that work functionally? Yeah, I think once you get to the higher level, there is more nuance, right? Mm -hmm. To, To all of it. But I think, you know, a lot of the 
activism too that I've done recently. And, and I, I fully believe that that will sort itself out. A lot of my activism is around currently the dialogue of trans athletes are taking over women's sports, which is not true. It's just right. not true, but it's political bait. So mm. instead of actually looking at the real issues of women's sport, which is underfunding, abuse. Abuse, because that's yeah. really what's going mm-hmm. on right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. And this stuff was kept under wraps for so long. Yeah. After yeah. gymnastics. Yeah. After yeah. gymnastics. I know. But then on the other level, for the youth, though, where there's not as much nuance to it, it's just about kids wanting to play the sport that yeah. they love, right? Yeah. And I'm a big believer that we actually know who we are. That's complex as well, but exactly who we are at a young age. And mm-hmm. kids just want to, they want to play the sport they, they love with their friends. That's it. So let them play. So that's where a lot of it is more nuanced when you get to the higher level. That will work itself out. But let's focus on the real issues to begin with. And, yeah, they're diversionary tactics. And come from an inclusive, right? Like, I don't know why. Right. It's go also from picking on like. Most marginalized the, group. Right, exactly. Most marginalized group, yes. So what do you want to do next with your voice for women's soccer? For yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. It is um, a difficult time in women's soccer and also I think a monumentous time to make lasting change. So one, I want to be a part of of that impact and making sure we are hearing and listening to players, centering the players first and foremost, and making the game a much safer place, an inclusive place for all. But more particularly, I mean, listen, I love the work that I'm doing specifically, which is analyst in terms of a broadcast working yeah. with faceted yeah. networks, right? Easy uh, transition, Lori. No, I mean, a whole nother thing. I I mean, that is one thing about sport is challenging. I mean, everyone Mm -hmm. goes through it differently, so I can't speak for anybody else, but it can be really challenging. I think mentally, your day-to-day, what that looks like. And it was challenging for me, and I thought I was going down one path in terms of athletic development, owning a few gyms. I was living in D.C. at the time, and then I realized that's not for me. And broadcast had kind of like been coming up for a while, and I was like you know what, I'm going to give that a try because I was getting further away from the game than I wanted to. And then, so here we are and I love it. And from outside of any sort of like, even though I think activism is always, it's ongoing always sure. uh, on my day-to-day calling games. I absolutely love it. And I love yeah. talking about the game. I love amplifying players and getting a bit more nuanced about the game and educating. And I like it on the men's side as well. So that's my hope is to do as long as I can and be involved on the men's and women's side. And we got the women's world cup next summer in Australia, New Zealand. So that is a huge, huge tournament coming up. We have so many questions for you because you have so many different hats that you wear. And that being the case as a contributor, commentator, but you were also an athlete. And most recently, we're hearing about basketball players and the Sixers being mic'd up and getting to hear what a coach is saying, Doc Rivers is saying to his players and As an athlete, what would that have been like for viewers or fans to get to hear either what your coach was saying to you or if you had something that was not so kind to say about an uh, opposing team? (laughs) I think mine would have been like, beep, 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 beep. (laughs) 
I think I was known to have like an intensity on the field and, and not so much off the field. So there's the interesting combination. Oh, you're an introvert off the field, huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. more so. I mean, I love to be surrounded by people for sure, but I collect my energy by being alone and, um, as you mentioned, an introvert. But then on the field, right, I was like intense, really cared about the sport, my teammates and players around. So some of that came out as, you know, cussing all the time. But yeah, I, I love the aspect. We've been doing that in the NWSL a little bit as well, um, our mm-hmm. Women's Pro League, National Women's Soccer League, where we mic up somebody before the game. So we kind of get to see some of the players pregame, I guess, just kind of like intensity as well and just how they're they're riling up their team and getting everybody excited. And we haven't done much of the coaches at all, but yeah, I love it. It gives everyone a little bit of insight, especially now. You want to know about the players, right? You want to yeah. know about what's going on and, and how they are and maybe how they're different off the field. So for the outside of soccer people, we've been hearing a lot about FIFA and Philadelphia <laughs> winning the bid for 2026. Yes. Yeah. Can you explain what that's about for people that may not who know, may not really understand? I mean, we do multiple cities, right? But <laughs> for, not like, us, the easiest. But... No, I appreciate this, so everyone knows. The easiest way to put it is in 2026. So the next World Cup after this one that's going to be in Qatar later this year, the United States is hosting, and it will be multiple cities. They've already given all the cities, and Philadelphia was chosen as one of those cities to be a place where the games will be held. It'll be at Lincoln Financial is where they'll play. It's exciting in terms of like, I mean, if people don't know, Philly is like a soccer hotbed. People love their soccer here. Like what will happen? Well, there'll be, I don't even know how many games will be here, but once that schedule is made, we'll see what games are, how many games will be played here in Philadelphia. Who's ever coming to play in whatever countries they'll train in Philadelphia leading up to those games, the days between typically three days between each game. So they'll fly in depending where they're coming from, train here in Philadelphia and then play the game and there'll be tickets sold for that. So maybe we'll have the best teams playing at ours. Is that the goal to (laughs) have the most exciting game? It's the World Cup. It is the biggest sporting (laughs) event ever. There's going to be amazing games regardless. And if you're making the World Cup, you know, you're a good national team for the most part. So yeah, we'll have. And and hopefully we'll bring tourists to Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uptick in economics and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that FIFA 101 (laughs) for 2026 as we prepare to learn more about it. Exactly. And get tickets. Go to the games. In the spirit of a true Philadelphian, Karan Horn works hard. And yes, he has won a TV competition to prove it. He works so hard that I can't even tell you how many restaurants and food initiatives he's involved in. I mean, I can, but it just feels like a lot. Okay, so we know he's the new director of culinary at Mission Taqueria. We also know that he started with Super Dope Spot Stripped, which is everyone's favorite smoothie and juice spot. However, he has also recently opened Guardhouse Cafe at the Frankfurt Arsenal. That menu had my mouth dripping, and he teamed up with his fellow Johnson & Wales graduate, Chef Gerald Allen, to create Black, a culinary collective that combines food, design, visual art, and education, championing dialogue and inclusion. Oh, and did I mention this vegetarian chef recently won Tap at the Brown's new Food Network show, Complicated? Yep, he's dope, and that's Philly. What are you doing with your life, <laughs> So, So I go into the run of the day, and then, all right, let's do that. So, to be honest, I started putting more content on Instagram, and then out of nowhere, I started getting reached out by all these casting agents. And yeah. this is no offense to casting companies, agents, or whatever, but it didn't seem like it was real. It was multiple from different companies and they're reaching out very blanket. And you can tell that they're scrubbing the Internet, reaching out to people. So I'm looking at it like, who are these bots reaching out? And then one time I was like, ah, 
let me actually like hit him back. So I hit him back and the process of that led to me being interviewed multiple times and doing a, a recorded Zoom out of that. I guess the network really liked me and the entire time I was blind. So I didn't know who the host was. I didn't know the concept of the show. I didn't know any of that because it's a new show and I guess they can't give details. Right. So right. April was when it shot. April of this year. And I was probably interviewing in November. I would say about four weeks before the shoot, they were like, all right, this is the concept of the show. It is all plant-based. And I'm like, what? That's what you do though, right? It's my entire life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got it. I want to, I want to get into that too. Because it's yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. So run of the day, I get there, the shoot is in LA. It was a three-day turnaround. Wake up, 6.30, right to the studio. And we start shooting. And then Tab walks in, Tabitha, who is... Yo, she is everything she appears to be online. It's amazing. Like meeting her. Yeah, she's super sweet. She's like a Southern Belle. Accent is super thick. Sound like she made good cornbread. She was great. What we don't know is what aversions they're about to throw at us. So the concept of the show is we have to cook around picky eaters, essentially. So each round, we had a theme. One round was Chinese. The next one was pizza. The next one was Mexican. And for instance, they're like, all right, you got Chinese and you can't use soy. You can't use gluten. Ooh, I was really curious about it because I'm a half-assed vegetarian in a way, which made me curious about you because I was like a Philly dude who's been a vegetarian and a chef. When did that even start and why? I've never eaten meat. My mom and dad raised me and my sister vegetarian. So, yeah, being from Philly, I've never had a Philly cheesesteak. I've never. Wow. But you had one, but it was made out of seitan or something like that. Yeah, there you go. I never had the real McCoy. There is a drunken night where I did have chicken wings. You can be a gold star vegetarian. Love and grit, right? (laughs) I got to keep it real. Keep it funky. Yeah, I got to give the grit. But that is the only night that I can speak to where I've eaten meat. I've always been very religious about it. So your parents were great chefs in that way, too, right? They had to prepare your food as as a kid a lot. Yeah, I mean, my mom, that's definitely where I get my inspo from watching her cook in the kitchen. And she was great at it. So I'm I'm a big fan of all the alternatives, testing them out, seeing how they chew, how they eat. Oh, what's your favorite? Okay, can we talk about it? Because soy, soy is is like the devil, right? I mean, let's keep it funky, right? Like soy is the devil. I don't believe so. I don't believe so at all. I think a lot of that is research and people Googling and then running with a topic. Okay, what's your favorite form of meat? And what do you think about the Um, beyonds and the impossibles? Anything made in the lab is like, uh, I probably shouldn't eat that every day, right? So I, I'm big on everything in moderation, everything, even if it's meat, okay. although I never had it. Like, I don't knock people for Damn. eating it. I prepare it every day. Oh, you do? Okay. Oh, yeah. Currently, I'm at mission. Maybe 95% of our kitchen is Mexican. Mexicans don't even know what a vegetarian is. Right. So, like, yeah, I'm I'm around meat and prepare it all day long and have to advise on it. Ooh. Um, I do rely on a lot of palates to, like, taste things and dial things in, but my nose is, like, my taste buds. That's how I get by. And not only get by, but execute at a very high level, if I say so myself. Wow. So you're raising vegetarian children, too? All three are vegetarian, 10, 6, and 2, Silas, Ronan, and Emery. It's, uh, it's crazy. And my wife really holds it down. She's a business owner as well. How do you have time to raise these children? <laughs> I don't. I don't. How about like, her? She's got a very successful store. I mean, it's always hard, right? It is certainly a heavy juggle. It really is. And nanny. We definitely have a community of help. We do not have a nanny by any means. We also don't really like dip out and go on like dates much and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like we're putting the time in right now. Let's say yeah, that. Yeah, of course. You're at right. some point, we'll. You don't really have a choice. None at all. Somebody got to feed them, right? Right. Woo. 
All right, so yeah. I'm gonna finish that run of the day. Yeah. All right, so it was a wild experience. I mean, Monique, she's got a ton of restaurants in Tennessee. She's a tough. She's Bobby Flay friend. She's sometimes she oh, comes yeah. on. Yeah, oh, and she yeah. got her own show. She just got yeah. started her own yeah. show with her brother. I got oh, anything about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really dope, but she, again, tough critic. She she tore me up first round, and then I was like, all right, now I gotta cook for you. And the rest of it was. I mean, y'all know the result. So Yeah. So what did you win? Ten grand was the prize. They should have gave you a food network deal. Let me get a deal. Yeah. Personality as well. He's not oh, stop, girl. Yeah, I, I think it's really about just like they do like to see people do well. So there's like, how do you present on TV? Looking at myself, I, I could pick myself apart, right? But I think I present well. I don't know. You present well. Yo, can I just mention I said this in the intro, but I do want to mention your Gar House Cafe. You designed this brunch menu? I did, yeah. Okay, so that let's... That sounds like a cool place, right? Like, it's, Yeah. Explain the concept. Yo, Justin, Guardhouse Toast Crunch, cube croissant, sautéed in butter, saline, cinnamon, and sugar. Really You're just reading ingredients? Yeah, listen, I'm reading this the description. Ooh, listen. Uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Deep dish corn skillet cake, vanilla bean whip, maple butter, oh, fresh boy. fruit. Wait, and let me just do... Uh, it was another one that I saw that... But no, I'll just let you go. I'm sorry. You talk about it's your menu. So the guardhouse. I mean, I'm a breakfast and lick the mouth. (laughs) Breakfast is um, my favorite meal, no question. So guardhouse is kind of like a a little bit of a bucket list situation for me. Like if I can get that open and really execute at the level I would like to, this is what it would look like. So that's what the menu kind of speaks to. We're located on the Arsenal's campus, which is in Bridesburg. And just one more question about this menu. You have veggie breakfast sausage. And since I know you don't use the alternative meats, what is that? Well, no. So it's okay. not that I don't use them. I just okay. think in moderation, right? So okay. the veggie sausage that we have there is by impossible. And okay. I love it. I love it. It's actually really hard to find in a supermarket. And then we have a another alternative, which the whole neighborhood thought it was chicken. This is how good it is. It's by a company called Tyndall, who I recently partnered up with. They have one product and their goal is to be basically the chicken of, I guess, the impossible world. If that makes sense. Oh, I love that because every they they trying to dip into the chicken and impossible and yeah, beyond. And y'all should difficult. just stick with what y'all know. Yeah, there's a texture thing. There's also a taste. Oh, yeah, thing. It's huge texture. Yeah. So they have a product they call the thigh. From a smell standpoint, I think it smells like a chicken thigh. You know, chicken thigh is a lot different than a chicken breast and different flavor profile. And the texture is A1. So we have people who come in, order this hot chicken sandwich and don't know it's not an alternative, which is Ooh. to me nuts. That, that's everything I need to hear. I love we all grabbed our phones at the same time. So we could yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that he put us on to something that's like, you know. But the only thing is it's not sold in stores, right? So how do you find it? Come to our house or Chef Chad Rosenthal, who actually beat Bobby Flay, which is that's a nice little. Oh, that's nice. Back for him. He has the Lucky Well and he also has Tyndall in his situation, too. So there are only two restaurants in Philadelphia. It started in Singapore. It's Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, CEO is a Brazilian cat. Yeah, they kill it, man. They do a really good job. Shout out to Tyndall. Tell us what's next for you. (sighs) So next up. There's a couple of partnerships that I would love to share, but they're still cooking right now. I can only hope they come to fruition, but I'm really excited about those. Oh, this one I could talk about. Do y'all know his name is Terrell, also known as your fave trash man? Yeah, of course. Excuse me. He's been on Loving Grits. Terrell and I are cooking up something pretty 
big, I would like to say. I don't know if you know this or not, but he is currently setting running for city council, right? Campaign, yeah. I'm here to support him and he's here to support me. So we're like, why not do both? So we're probably going to do a fundraiser situation, location to be determined. I want to say it, but I can't. It's like not, it's not there yet. Okay, it's okay. Everybody follow, Um, make sure you follow Quran to get all the details. That's all you got to follow. Yeah, Yeah, so this would be a a ticketed situation. It'll also be an auction portion to it. But we're looking to raise funds for his campaign and or myself. (laughs) So, yeah, we'll figure that out and see how that goes. But it still sounds like secrets, but all right. Right? Okay. We're here for him. him. We'll be following and paying attention. Yeah, we have you raise money for your next restaurant. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't Experience. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I do want to update people on strip. So we recently were asked to pay about 35% more rent at strips. And I was like, you can kick rocks with flip flops. <laughs> so at this point, I was like, I'm not doing that. Okay. You have no reason to demand it. And I've been there going on nine years. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I chose to leave. And that's also to be determined. I might pop up somewhere else very soon. But obviously, that's still working. But that's the goal. Strip's not going nowhere. We have a franchisee that's opening up in Marlton pretty soon. So yeah, but it happens, right? Like, yeah, you know. no, we with you, whatever you do, it don't matter. Don't don't you worry, handle your business. And yeah, if you want to, you know, partner up, if you know a brand or anything like that, like I, I do like collaborations and partnerships, but it has to fit, right? Like, I'm not going to partner up with Angus Beef. Hit me up. Have you guys done any leaf peeping yet in the region? Well, I'm sorry. Leaf peeping. Like naked, like Like peeping Tom. No, 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 no. There's no nudity. (laughs) You drive around and see the leaves changing colors. Leaf. Wait, is that a universal? Because um, Justin, we just okay. don't look at, the, we just look at the leaves. We just say, yeah, and I know, look. I gotta get my jacket. Yeah, but we we do look at the leaves, just peep, leaf, what the? <laughs> no. Follow us on the socials at Love Grit Philly, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.